Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. M. A. I. N. M. E. N. U. Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hey everyone, and welcome to Main Menu for the 20th of May, 2016. I am your co-host, Jason Castingway. I think we have really done it this time. This is the most we've ever packed into one show. We are going to start out with Scott Davert as he gives us an overview of the Amazon Echo Dot. Following that, Randy and I join him for a brief discussion. And then Janine Stanley shows us that Alexa and Roger go out together. Yes, you can connect Roger with the services of the Amazon Echo. Following that, Dan Kaiser interviews Mike May from Sendero, who talks about Seeing Eye GPS. Then we continue in our discussion with Larry Skutkan from APH, and it's all about Nearby Explorer. Yes, it's coming to iOS. Finally, Janine Stanley shows us a new service called CaptionBot, and what you can do with that. Enjoy the show, everyone. This is Scott Davitt with this review of the Amazon Echo Dot. The Amazon Echo Dot is just one of several products on the market now with the Alexa-enabled technology. There was a whole show in the past about the Amazon Echo. The first thing I want to do is tell you what the Echo Dot is and is not. The Echo Dot is a small hockey puck-shaped device. It's a little taller than the size of a hockey puck, but it's about as wide around and definitely shaped like a hockey puck. Unlike the Amazon Echo, the flagship product, this one will not be used mainly, or it's not designed to be used on a standalone system. You're going to want to hook up to an external device to really get good sound quality out of this thing. It does have an internal speaker, but it's not full range like what you have on the full Echo. It's not only different in size physically, the price is also lower. The Amazon Echo Dot costs $99. Assuming you can get it, you have to already own an Echo to be able to do this. There was at one point a loophole where you could get it through the iOS device. That's actually how I was able to get my Dot. It's my first Alexa-enabled device, but that loophole no longer exists. A physical description of the dot, as I said, it's shaped like a hockey puck and a little taller. On the front of the device, you have two ports. You have a micro USB port on the left, and then you have a 3.5 millimeter jack on the right. On the top of the device, you have a volume control. It's basically the entire surface on the top turns to the right or left. It's one of the two ways you can control the volume. You also have two buttons located on the surface. To the left, you'll find a button that has a dot on it, and that will manually open Alexa's ears if Alexa is turned on. Clearly right now it's not. To the right side of the device on the top surface, you have a button with no dot on it, and that actually opens up Alexa's ears to listen for the wake word. I'm actually going to hit the button to open Alexa's ears just so you can hear a very quick sample through the mixer of what the Alexa voice sounds like. 
Alexa, what's the temperature outside? Right now in Port Washington, it's 50 degrees with showers. Tonight's forecast has rainy weather with a low of 48 degrees. The internal speaker is definitely not of the highest quality, but again, that's not what this is designed for. It's designed to be hooked up to stereo systems and soundboards and things like that. I'll let you hear a sample of what music sounds like through it. I wouldn't bother with the internal speaker. It might play uh, an AM radio quality sound, but it's definitely not something that you would want to try to fill a whole room with. It just won't do it. Alexa, play Classic Rock Playlist from Spotify. Classic Rock from Spotify. Rock on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, stop. It's pretty crazy that this uh, song plays since it pretty much describes my life path. Anyway, one of the limitations that I found with the Echo technology is that you really have to be specific in your word choices, especially where it concerns skills. So, for example, you may not be able to always use the most natural way of speaking. Uh, for example, I'll ask her now to find me the next three trains into New York City. Alexa, when are the next three trains from Port Washington to Penn Station? Sorry, I couldn't find weather for the location I heard. Totally didn't get it. I'll try it one more time. Alexa, when are the next three trains from Port Washington to Penn Station? I couldn't find a forecast for that location. So it obviously has no idea. You really have to be specific in your word choices. The skill that I have installed that does this is called Choo Choo. So if I say, Alexa, ask Choo Choo when are the next three trains from Penn Station to Port Washington. The next three trains are at 6.18 p.m., 6.48 p.m., and 7.18 p.m. The other thing that I really like about this device is that if I'm in another room, especially if I'm streaming to something that's connected through Bluetooth to like a headset or something, I can easily yell at Alexa in the morning to do the things that I want to do. For example, change radio stations with TuneIn, any of those things. I added morning change radio stations on TuneIn to your to-do list. Thanks a lot. I don't need that on my to-do list. I'm going to turn you off now. So that you can't listen to me. That's kind of some of the nice things you can do with it. It certainly would make a good add-on device if you have that kind of money and you have a flagship Echo and you would like to put this in another room. I could see it working out really well for things like recipes and such. I had a friend that tried to do this and was pretty successful after we did some creative thinking because what was happening was he would yell the word, whichever one he had said, it was Alexa at the time, and both of them would activate. So it was kind of weird. What I had him do was change the wake word. You can change it to Amazon, I think, or Echo. I know you can change it to Amazon. That's what we did with his. And once we did that, it was very easy for him to control both Echo-enabled devices. Overall, I'm very happy with the Amazon Echo Dot. I'm glad I have it. It fits 
very nicely in with my already existing technology and it does things that none of the other platforms can do. So I am very happy with my purchase. Let's go ahead before I close this short review and find out not only what the price is, if it's gone up since the last time I asked of the Echo Dot, but also when you can expect to get one if you order it today. Again, you do have to order it through the Echo itself. So if you have a friend that has one or if you already have an Echo product of another sort, you can certainly order an Echo Dot. I'm going to go ahead and turn Alexa's ears back on. Alexa, order an Amazon Echo Dot. Echo Dot. It's temporarily out of stock and will be delivered by Monday, July 11th. It's $97.75 total. Should I order it? Alexa, no. Okay, I won't order it. So now the time it will be shipped is July and not August, so that's a good sign. Maybe you'll actually get it this year. So if you are interested in ordering an Echo Dot, that would be how you would do it. Thank you, Scott, for talking about the Dot. It was a really great review, and I know I enjoyed it. Now, I'd like to ask you, first of all, what made you decide to get a Dot? Well, I love Braille, and, you know, it's the Dot, so it works. <laughs> well, it is technically shaped like a Dot. I mean, it's round, you know? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I would say, like I said in the review, it's kind of more like a hockey puck. But one of the appealing things to me was that I could actually patch it into my already existing system. You know, it's mm -hmm. not its own standalone system and you know there's nothing wrong with those certainly and right. uh, you guys have them and like them from what i gathered from your show we do like them yep and the devices are just getting better and better we've All heard right. from everybody now we've heard from um dot users echo users and the tap users yep and what did the uh, tap users have to say oh they uh, the the person that we talked with uh, really liked her device. Yeah, and she shows uh, it off to her friends, too, and stuff, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And... She likes... Because you can carry it with you. Go ahead, uh, Jason. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and, and pretty soon on Main Menu, we have another way you can use the Echo services. Yes, we do. It's coming up. Oh. Did you hear I'll about have to that? stay tuned. Well, you will. We see, we won't tell you. You're going to have to listen to Main Menu for weeks upon weeks in order to get the information. Yep. I look forward to it. Well, yeah, you know, the thing, what I like most about the Dot is that, again, as I said, I can patch it into my already existing system, which works better for me. I have hearing aids, and so my needs are probably a bit different than the average uh, user. I needed something that I could patch into what I already have that works with my hearing aids. So the Echo Dot fit the bill exactly, 100%, and uh, I have no regrets whatsoever. I love it. Let me ask you a question for those of you that need hearing aids, Scott. How does that all patch in do you have bluetooth hearing aids or how does that all link up well it's it's all kind of complicated it depends on how you want to do it um when i'm using the echo dot yeah i go through bluetooth sometimes what i do you know for example if i'm getting ready to go in the morning i can listen to spotify or whatever and you know like i was saying in the review i can yell at the uh, echo dot in the other room and it does what i want it to which makes my spirits much brighter in the morning mm-hmm you know, because you can either wake up bright or early, but not bright and early. At least I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I get up early, I sometimes I don't feel very bright unless I have a cup of coffee. So, 
it's a mood-altering substance. You know, when are they going to have the Echo do that? Well, they do. Um, I Make think the coffee? No, oh, uh, I thought he meant alter the mood. Oh, that. Oh, no. I'm, I mean, I want my... Alexa, make me a cup of coffee. Uh-oh. I wish I could. Cooking's beyond me at the moment. <laughs> well, excuse me. <laughs> oh, oh we're going to have to leave that in there. I had her say something when I did that, uh, like, sorry, I'm not a replicator or something. No, no barista skill yet, unfortunately. Mm. You never know. I'm sure they'll come up with one of those connected coffee makers at some point soon. That's what I was going to say. I mean, at some point, I think not too far down the road, you're going to see that with a lot of these devices. Some people have been asking, okay, well, I have an Echo. Why would I want an Echo Dot? And one of the purposes of the Echo Dot is actually as a secondary device. So, for example, you might have your Echo that you guys demoed previously. You might have that in your your bedroom or your living room or wherever you, you know, want your main entertainment hub to be. But then you might be wanting to look up a recipe, for example. So you might have an Echo Dot in the kitchen. I mean, assuming you can afford both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you don't have it plugged in, even if it's just its own internal speaker, it's not going to fill a room, but it's certainly, you know, usable. That's great. Well, I can't so, think of anything more that I want to mention. Can Can you guys? But I... Uh, I'm sure I'm glad that you came on and talked about a little bit, you know, with us rather than just did the demo. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, you know, if you're someone that wants to patch into an existing sound system, whether that's a stereo system or some kind of a, you know, I have a Bose speaker over here that I patch it into sometimes, too. So, you know, if you're looking for something that's more, has more connectivity options instead of the standalone device. Well, Scott, thanks a lot for being here, and I'm glad we made contact. Yes, and it was nice right. meeting well, you. Well, hey. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's great to uh, come on Main Menu. I've done demos on here before, but I've never actually been on a segment. So it's uh, really cool to uh, to do that. So thank you guys very much for having me on, and uh, I'll look forward to hearing the rest of the show. Before I play the next segment with Janine, I would like listeners to note that Roger has evolved and continues to evolve so much since this recording was made. So although the ideas are the same, the labels and placements of buttons have changed. Also, there are some pauses in the recording that we decided to leave in place so that you would have a more accurate idea of the interaction between Roger and Echo Services. Here's Janine. This is Janine Stanley, and now that we've taken a look at the Roger app, and on a previous main menu, we've taken a look at the Alexa app for your iOS device, let's see what happens when these two go out. That's right, it's Roger plus Alexa. So let's open our Roger app. Roger, active. Now, as we saw in the Roger app, to add a contact, you're going to double tap on your name in the list of names that appear on your screen as contacts, and then you're going to double tap the contacts button. In the edit field, you'll type the name Alexa, and that's A-L-E-X-A. This should bring up as one of your first choices for a contact, the Alexa app from Amazon. But now let's see what we can do with Alexa because she is kind of limited. But if you have an Amazon Prime membership, there's a bit more you can do with her. But let's go ahead and have a look. Alexa. So there we see I was last talking to her a few minutes ago. Connected. 
Listen. Six minutes. Forty-three seconds. Button. Raise to ear to listen or double tap to play from loudspeaker. So that was the last time that I asked Alexa to find something, and six minutes is a long time, but there's a particular reason for that stretch of things. If we flick to the right again, we'll see our microphone. One thing that you need to know about Alexa is that she is not immediate. You're going to have to wait for the amount of time it takes her to say the response. So it's not like having that immediacy of, say, an Amazon Echo, a tap, or a dot there. But you can certainly do a few things, so let's see. Microphone. Button. Starts record. What time is it in Hilo, Hawaii? We wait till the phone vibrates and then swipe up. Listen. Four seconds. Button. The time in Hilo. Hawaii is 6.10 a.m. Oops, don't Listen, call anybody. Button. <laughs> in Hilo. All right, let's see what else Alexa can do. Microphone. Button. Play something from the Beach Boys. There's our buzz. Listen. Three seconds. Button. Amazon Music is not supported for this device. And that's how you're going to know that Alexa can't perform the skill that you're asking for. Alexa, as you've heard on our broadcasts, does do things called skills. And one of the fun skills that she does is to play Jeopardy. You do have to enable this skill in the Alexa app. Let's give that a shot. Microphone. Button. Can you play Jeopardy? There's our buzz. Listen, nine seconds. Button. Welcome to Jeopardy J6. Six new clues every weekday. There are no new clues today. Would you like to play the clues from Friday? Button. Yes. And here we're hearing a couple buzzes, so let's go back up. Listen, nine seconds. Button. The first category is rocks and minerals. Iron pyrite is often mistaken for this precious metal. Microphone. Button. What is fool's gold? You'll wait for the buzz. Listen. Three seconds. Button. Microphone. Listen. Eleven seconds. Button. So there we Waste got to listen two double buzzes. Tap to play from loudspeaker. Excellent. The next category is cast of the TV show. Name the show. Juliana Margulies and George Clooney as medical staff. Mike. Button. What is ER? Listen, five seconds, button. Race to ear. Listen, Correct. 11 seconds, but The next Stop. category button. is Travel USA. Each year, Texas holds its 24 day state fair in this city. Button. It's 9 4 microphone, button. What is Dallas?
Listen, five seconds. Microphone. Listen, 12 seconds. Button. That's right. The next category is... Tuba. Damon Tuba Gooding Jr. Bryson is a member of The Roots, the house band for this late-night talk show. Microphone. Button. What is The Tonight Show? Listen, 15 seconds. Button. Nope. The correct response was, what is the tonight show? The next category is... On the old map of Europe. On a map of Europe from 1904, this country would be united with Sweden. Phone. Button. It's 9.15 a.m. Microphone. Button. What is Norway? Listen, 14 seconds. Button. Yes, that's it. Now, for the last clue. The category is... Toothpaste. When selecting a toothpaste, you'll want to look for one that has the seal of this organization. Microphone. Button. What is the American Dental Association? Listen, 15 seconds, but... Correct. Great job. You got five out of six clues correct today. Come back tomorrow for another six clues. For even more Jeopardy clues, download the Jeopardy app for your phone or tablet from the Amazon App Store. 15 seconds, button. Okay, pretty cool. Now, let's see how we can order things via Alexa using the Roger app. Microphone button buy gloria jeans macadamia cookie k cups and there's our buzz listen 13 seconds but i've found gloria jeans macadamia cookie coffee cured k cups 72 count in janine's order history it's not prime eligible so i can't order it for you should I add it to your Amazon cart? Lip. Microphone. Button. No. Listen. Four seconds. Button. All right. Check your Alexa app for more options. Lip. Four seconds. Button. Now, what I noticed about this was when I went into the Alexa app... My Amazon cart was right up there, and the macadamia coffee was right there, and I could buy it if I wanted to or reorder it. So she does know about things that are in your order history. Unfortunately, on Roger, she can't read your shopping cart or do anything else like that. But that's kind of an interesting skill to have if you just want to reorder something and you don't want to go to all the bother of swiping, swiping, swiping around the Amazon app. Here's a nice way to reorder it if you happen to know the name of it and it qualifies for prime shipping. I would encourage you to get Roger, of course, just 
for the fun of it, and then the Alexa app, because there are a lot of things that you can do with this app and Roger that I haven't shown you today. But also, I think it's going to be probably expanding to more third-party apps like this. And it'll give you a little taste of the real fun you can have with the Amazon Echo family of products. For Main Menu, this is Janine Stanley. I'm talking with Mike May here, uh, the president of the Sendero Group, and Mike has a software package called Seeing Eye. And tell me what, uh, how does that relate to guide dogs and the name Seeing Eye? Well, it's called, in the U.S., it's called Seeing Eye GPS, and that's strictly because the Seeing Eye was one of the sponsors of the app. iPhone apps are really not economically feasible for low-volume groups like blind people. Right. So we had to find a sponsor. The CNI was the first sponsor, and then the uh, RNIB in England sponsored, and then um, Guide Dogs in Australia sponsored. So we've, you know, we've two out of the three sponsors have been uh, Guide Dog companies. How does a Guide Dog user use an app, and what's the difference between a Guide Dog user using an app, a GPS app like this, and anybody else? I, I suppose the fact that you're using a dog means that your mobility is going to be a little bit different and your orientation is a little bit different. But also, the use of a GPS app is situational, so it depends what you're doing. Do you just want to know about your environment, like what businesses are you passing? That's one of my favorite ways to use it, particularly in a new area. The other way to use it is I want specific turn-by-turn directions. Tell me when to turn, confirm that I've made that term accurately, and where's my next turn. So that's navigating them by route. There are in our Braille note and our uh, you know more sophisticated products some things that are specific to guide dog users. But by and large, the main aspect of the CNI GPS and the other models in, in the other parts of the world are really to make the GPS fully accessible in a turn-by-turn application. There aren't any other turn-by-turn accessible apps. There are some that are partially accessible that are commercial. And then you have point-of-interest intersection apps like BlindSquare that are are wonderful apps, but they're not turn-by-turn giving you routes and a lot of specifics. They they utilize other apps for the turn-by-turn. Exactly. They would they would push you off to Navigon or one of the mainstream right. apps, and right. those turn-by-turn apps are not fully accessible. If you want to switch from pedestrian to vehicular mode, then it's a little bit tricky. Uh, they're just, you know, they're not made for blind people. They're made to be visually oriented. So we're talking about outside, but now there's a new technology that everybody's using for the indoors. And can you tell us about this Bluetooth Bluetooth beacon stuff? Well, the new frontier in navigation is, of course, indoor navigation. And it's this is not new in some ways. I mean, we've been testing and working on indoor navigation for 20 years. The problem is it's really not been commercialized. More recently, with the advent of beacons, there is the possibility that the indoor navigation will become more ubiquitous, mainly because... If it's useful for sighted people, then there's a big enough market to motivate companies to get into this business. Right now, there are several hundred companies involved in beacons. And the way that they work is that you have a little thing the size of, let's say, a quarter or a couple of quarters together 
that's stuck on above a doorway or different places. It's just an electronic beacon in a building. And what that does is when you're nearby with your Bluetooth device, like an iPhone, it picks up that beacon, it looks up that beacon in a database, and it says, aha, that is the women's restroom, or that's Office 223, or whatever it is. So there's two things that have to happen. One is those beacons have to be installed in each building, and that's not trivial. And then you need to have a database to match up with the ID of each one of those beacons so that the information is meaningful. So there are a couple of test locations. Uh, the San Francisco airport is one, and it was pretty wonderful to go into that airport using the indoors uh, application and hear all of this information, American Airlines counter, escalator, trash can, restroom, uh, electrical outlet, on and on and on. It was actually too much information for the first time <laughs> I, I ever heard it. Yeah. So what we've done with the CNI app is we've integrated uh, another application called Loudsteps, which is one of the many that's out there addressing this indoor beacon situation, so that wherever Loudsteps beacons are installed, you could then seamlessly go from the CNI GPS outside to the beacons inside. Uh, I first saw this demonstrated at the Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind, and it was very impressive from the standpoint of having location information and actually some navigational information indoors that was pretty accurate. Uh, it's a number of the conferences at ACB last year, a number of others, there's uh, an app called Lovis Guide, which is based on the indoors, I-N-D-O-O period R-S, that's the company from Vienna, Austria, that's doing the same sort of thing. And the, the issue really is that you've got each one of these proprietary apps with their beacons, putting them in different places. So the next real hurdle is how do we create enough content, enough different buildings without having to switch uh, and have you know, 25 apps on our phones and know which one goes with which building. That's really the next hurdle in the evolution of this technology. But at least we've gotten started with some pilot locations, some of those conferences, Chicago Lighthouse, uh, NFB headquarters, and now in the next week we're installing the beacons at the new San Francisco Lighthouse office and their their new building. Um, so that's going to be happening next week with Loudsteps. Is there going to be a problem with formatting on different Bluetooth uh, uh, type devices in terms of I'm going to go with this system and then there's another company that's going to go with that system and uh, or is it all standardized? There is no standardization. Bluetooth beacons are, um, I mean, they, they're standard in the sense that you can detect them, but you can't if you don't have the database associated with them, then it's not really useful to know, you know, this is ID number 1235GR. That doesn't mean anything. It has to be connected with a database that makes that, that beacon meaningful. Right. So it, it is a problem right now that there is not cross-application compatibility. That's really the next hurdle in the evolution of this technology. I think it's important that people know this is 
evolving and know what the benefits are, but also know what the weaknesses are. Can you talk a little bit, if you have uh, any more time, uh, about, uh, I want to hear about your accident, because you, you uh, the traffic accident, and, and what happened, and how technology will play a part in maybe uh, mitigating some of that in the future. We, we had a, a situation that happened to us, and I, I mentioned it on Facebook, and there was another person I saw in my Facebook group maybe a month later that had almost identical situation happen, but he was injured a bit more. So in, in our case, Gina and I were crossing uh, a street in downtown Davis, wide open, um, no obstruction in terms of trees or anything, but the sun in the early morning at 7.45 in the morning, it was very low, and it was in the eyes of the driver who came to a stop at a stop sign, then made a left turn, and she just clipped me as she went by in her big 5,600-pound uh, Toyota Highlander. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty terrifying because at the time it happened, uh, Gina screamed. I mean, the dogs got upset. Uh, Tank was ahead of me and, and really not phased at all. I think he was just wondering why I was standing in the middle of the street and why didn't I get out of the street. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> well, he was he was ahead of me, and it was just as I was striding forward, my uh, right heel got run over by the car, and I felt the wheel go over it. And when I got to the curb and and knelt down and was checking out my heel, it was it was kind of it was numb, so I really couldn't tell did I break it, what happened. And uh, somebody said, "Oh, there's a tire track on your pants." And I thought, okay, well, they, she really did run over me. Wow. And the you know the this the real issue is that that driver, even though she had zero visibility, sun in her eyes, chose to go through an intersection in a town where there's lots of pedestrians, um, thousands of bicycles, and yet she chose to go through that intersection. It just really made me aware of the fact that you know how vulnerable we are. We can't stop going out and walking around on our own. But we assume when we're crossing the street and we use our best mobility skills developed over lots of travel experiences, we use those skills assuming that the person in the car can see. I mean, obviously they should see. They've got a license. They had to pass an eye test, a driver's test. But there are times where they can't see either because of an obstruction or because the sun is in their eyes. And that has made me um, more cautious, and certainly in the case of where is the sun in the sky when I'm crossing an intersection, I'm definitely more careful about how I go about that. And if there's a choice to cross an intersection in a you know, in a different way, you know, let me go counterclockwise instead of clockwise because the sun will be less of an issue. I'm thinking about that now. Right. It but how did technology play a role in that, and what did you learn with your technology? You have an iPhone, I, I assume. Well, the technology part of that was when I called 911, it wasn't what you expected. You you assume they know exactly where you are, uh, and that's just not the case with 911. The, your call is routed based on which tower happens to be connecting with your phone, and I got routed to the California Highway Patrol, and they said, where are you? And I said, I'm at 4th and E Streets. And they said, okay, hang on, we've got to transfer you. And they transferred me. 
thinking fourth any in Sacramento. I didn't say Davis. <laughs> right. I assumed I assumed they meant they knew Davis, but they didn't. So they sent me to Sacramento. Then I'm telling the people in Sacramento where I am. They said, "Oh, you're in Davis. We have to transfer you to Davis." So then then they sent me to the Davis Police Department. I gave them the information, and by the time I was done, I looked at my call log. It took just over four minutes for that to transpire. Now, if I really had been hurt, that's just four minutes until they're done, plus whatever time it takes for them to get to me. That is a scary thing to think of in terms of your expectations in an emergency on 911. And so what I've subsequently learned is that 50% of the U.S. doesn't have cell phone coverage. Now, this is mostly rural areas. That's one issue. So if you're not in cell coverage, you can't get anything. You can't get any kind of 911. Secondly, 70% of 911 calls come from uh, cell phones. 70% come from cell phones, and yet the system was set up for landlines. So from a landline, your address at home is hard-coded into the system, 911, and they see your address come up on their display. They dispatch somebody to your house, no problem. On a cell phone, it's based on this more convoluted system that I just described with cell towers. So they don't know exactly where you are. And the FCC reports that 10,000 people a year lose their lives because of poor cell phone 911 positioning. 10,000 people in the U.S. a year have an issue. Yeah, so I have discovered, and this is just a partial solution, but an app called Blue Light and blue light is uh, something that works with the 911 system in certain cities and on a lot of campuses they route you directly to the proper uh, emergency authority rather than letting it go to the just the cell phone tower location and then additionally once you when you set up the app you can tell them your emergency contact so if i dial 911 within blue light then uh, it also sends a uh, text to my wife and you know other emergency contacts that immediately shows them Mike is calling 911 and it tells that person where I am. That's very nice. Are you thinking of integrating that with with uh, Seeing Eye or one of the apps? Or um, it's possible. It works fine on its own. It, we could put a button for it in just to, to help promote the app because it's it's still a fledgling app. Or, you know, it would be really and, good because in an emergency, you don't have, you know, that's what I, I've always thought in an emergency. Am I going to be able to scroll around or yeah. go from, and, and it seems like a gesture or some kind of physical just you know, up and down or some kind of a gesture, radical Make gesture. Make it quicker. Yes, because you don't have time in an emergency uh, to sit there and, you know, make sure that, okay, I need to go over to this app and, uh, you know, forget yep. it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is It is tricky. The other thing it does, it also allows you to share your route with somebody. So it was really designed for um, young women on campuses uh, with the idea that, you know, they're – they're extra vulnerable and might be going from the library to their dorms late at night. So there's a tracking component. When you set off on a journey, you can say, I want to share my route with somebody. And that then sends a link to a person. The way they click on it, they can see your exact route, where you're going, what address you're at. 
and when you reach your destination. So that's something we've implemented and use with, with our kids, that they just something they need to do at least once a month so they stay in practice. And if they're out in the evening or any, any kind of vulnerable situation, we want them to use blue light to share their trip with us. That's really awesome. Have you played around with uh, Guardian Circle? No. That's an interesting app. That's more of a social media network of friends that are in a position uh, to uh, help, either by calling 911. And I think they have some of the gestures programmed in to where if you fall, it can register motion. The app uh, programmers are programming in accessibility to it. It wasn't accessible when it first came out, but now it's a lot more accessible. So you might check that one out, too. That has some interesting possibilities. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for the interview. Now we continue in our conversation with Larry Skutkan. Now, I've heard about a project with tactile maps. You were telling me at one point about um, it a service where you could send in your address and they could do a map for you. Oh, I loved it. This is about the coolest thing I've seen in years. So you go to touchmapper.org, type in your address, and you can download what's called an STL file. And that's what you send to a 3D printer. And it prints out a map of the uh, area of the address you gave it, several blocks around it as well. And what it does is um, it shows you the outlines of all the buildings. In fact, when I look at my neighborhood, I can see the garages uh, oh, wow. behind the, in the alley. Wow. I can see who's got big backyards around. And I, I can see the park over a few blocks up that I, I had no idea it was that big. But you can uh, get this map printed out, and it shows the roads and buildings uh, from open street maps. Now, if you don't have a 3D printer, you can, uh, again, send it off to a company that'll print it for you. The other day, I was in Sam's Club and saw that they were selling a printer there for like $1,200. So the, oh, these God. things are becoming more uh, ubiquitous. Now, I will say, they're they're a little finicky to operate. I was going to say, <laughs> it reminds me of the old color laser printers. Exactly. Back in, the, back in the late 80s, early 90s, those things could be uh, could be quite interesting to get configured and operating. And, and uh, the joke is with 3D printing, it's not the printer that costs the money, it's the injectable stuff that costs. The money, the cost for one of these maps is around $30, right? Yeah, to get something printed out. Yeah, yeah. You can probably shop around and find some people. Uh, He tries to make them where they take very little material, so they're Mm. uh, thin where they need to be, and then where the buildings are, of course, they're built up a little bit. And that, folks, is Touch Mapper. That's T-O-U-C-H-M-A-P-P-E-R dot org. So we're talking maps. And guess what? <laughs> Our next topic is going to be about one of APH's most popular software products, and that is Nearby Explorer. Explain to people what Nearby Explorer is, first of all. Well, um, it's, a, it's a GPS app that runs on your phone. And, you know, when I tell sighted people about this, uh, you have to explain that, you know, the, the first thing they want to say is, well, I mean, my GPS verbally tells me which way to go for directions and that's great but uh, as a blind pedestrian and traveler we need uh, and 
want a lot more than just getting the directions. We want to know what's around us, what's coming up, the uh, configurations of the intersections, what kind of businesses they are, you know, how far they are away, what time the buses are coming by as you walk past the bus stop. And that's what Nearby Explorer gives you. You can set 21 different geo-based kinds of information. You can either check it or uncheck it. So what you do is you check whatever you want to hear and then just uh, put the phone to sleep, put it in your pocket or purse, uh, somewhere where you can hear it preferably. And as that item changes, it uh, announces the new information. So you can do that, and then also you can use the position of the phone to get additional information. It's got a compass on it, so that if you hold the phone like you're going to take a picture, uh, so which way you're pointing the camera, it'll tell you what direction you're pointing, and then it'll throw a line out for half a mile and tell you every street you would cross if you went that way. And, oh, wow. Uh, you can just hold it that way mm. and turn it around and kind of get an idea of what's around you. In addition to holding it like a compass up, you can turn it sideways so the screen is to the left side, and you can point the end of the phone, and it'll... Um, when it when it sees a point of interest like a, a business or a bus stop or something like that, it'll vibrate and say, um, "Oh, for instance, Crescent Hill uh, Child Care, twenty yards." And 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 it also makes a beep, a, a tone. And the higher the tone, the closer it is to you, so you can kind of sweep it across the environment and find oh, out what wow. the closest uh, oh, I wow. like that building feature. is to you. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's I've kinda neat. seen that on any other GPS. Now, there's also a tactile component to this, right? Right. So there's a, if you go to the map view, you can touch the screen and... Um, it tells you the roads you're following or, you know, whatever you have checked on the, other, on the main screen, like the addresses and, and uh, the buildings and which way they are from where you're touching. And then you can also use your pinch and zoom gestures to make the map uh, bigger so you can, uh, you know, or make the map smaller so that more of it shows on the screen. And you can have, you know, the whole United States on the screen and just move your finger around and touch the different states oh, and wow. tell them to your move around to different places in the world that way even and uh, when you get to a virtual place like that you can uh, again turn the phone sideways and look around with this uh, geo beam it's called where you have it turned sideways and point to different features in the environment like that nice little app and it's yeah. right now we have it on uh, android and there's two versions there's a uh, one for 99 dollars and that what that what that $99 is, is um, you down, it downloads uh, uh, maps of the United States and Canada and keeps them stored locally. So if you lose cell service, um, you've still got your full GPS. You, oh, you, know, you don't really great. have to have a... And then we have an online version for free. Now, that does require a data, a cell connection, because it's, it's using the Internet to get the information about where you're at. And that one's called Nearby Explorer Online. Is there a virtual mode in both of these where you can virtually explore an area? Not on the online one because that, that requires those onboard maps. Mm -hmm. So just on the $99 one, the Nearby Explorer. Gotcha. And you know the big question I'm going to ask, when is it coming to iPhone? Well, uh, this year, actually. <laughs> We're looking for field testers now, in fact, and we hope this thing will be out this summer. 
So if you're interested in field testing, you have a, an iPhone, you can go to um, a form we have on, on our website at tech.aph.org slash field test. Fill that out and uh, you'll be eligible to uh, field test this thing for us here probably in June or so, I'm thinking. And actually, that is a, a general form. It's got a lot of categories on it. So if you are, uh, say, a teacher, a TVI, a, a um, VRT, any of those, there are different products from APH that you can also field test via that form. So go up there, take a look at the form, take a look at all the categories of different things that you can field test. And uh, I think, you know, there's something for, for everybody up there. Jason is the proud owner of a new Amazon Fire tablet. Do these work with the nearby Explorer? You know, I bought my uh, Fire. I'm so disappointed that it does not work. And the reason it doesn't work is there's no GPS on the Fire. Actually, there's a GPS chip, but they're not using it. Now, they may someday. Nope, it does not work on the nice little $50 Fire. I have a slightly different thing going on. I have the HD6, which was $69.99. I don't know exactly how it differs, came up and asked me if I wanted to go to, to location services. And I did, thinking there was something I could change, but there wasn't anything other than enable or disable. And my location services are enabled. It seemed to, it seemed to, and I don't know if it's using Wi-Fi or maybe it does have a GPS chip in it, but it was pulling up. Of course, I was in the house and, and relying on the Wi-Fi connection. So uh, I could hear, you know, the local uh, business, there's a window industrial window uh, place right across the street and I was hearing that and a couple of other things but uh, I was quite uh, surprised and impressed and wishing I could take it out on the road. Well you know if you uh, if you purchased the one with the maps that would work perfectly fine on the road so mm. you don't you don't really need a Wi-Fi connection when you've got the maps on board. The only other thing um, and Janine pointed this out was like hey use your phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot. There you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> no. Oh, Janine, you're a genius. Hey, any way you can suck that data plan dry, I'm there, okay? That's <laughs> right. I am really looking forward to taking a look at this particular application because I've heard so much about it over the years, and so many people really are sold on it for Android. So I'm really, really anxious to see, and especially the the tones with how close things are. I think that would be really, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's a nice app, I must say. I got, every time I talk about this, though, i got to tell my funny story. I'm walking to work one morning, and I'm, I'm running nearby Explorer and, and got the phone in my pocket, you know, and it's, uh, it's actually the day before school starts here, so the roads were still pretty quiet, and it's about, oh, 7.30 in the morning, and Crossing the street, and um, there's this lady pulls up in front of the you know, child care center there, and I, I hear, the, I don't know, they're probably 20 yards down, and the kid opens the door, and about that time, my uh, phone says uh, South Galt Street, or South, South Galt Avenue, whatever it is, and the kid says, Mom, what's that? About that time, the mom's getting out of the car, and, uh, and I'm walking with a guide dog now, don't forget that part of it. <laughs> And about that time, um, the the uh, phone says uh, Crescent Hill Child Care, twenty yards at at uh, eleven o'clock. And the mom just looks over and she 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 says, "Oh, it's that dog." <laughs> <laughs> 
I laughed all the way to work. <laughs> now, that's one thing I do not want is my dog talking. I was just going to say, the minute we come out with that app, I'm scared. Um. <laughs> now, Janine Stanley shows us CaptionBot. Hi, everyone. This is Janine Stanley for Main Menu, and I'm going to demonstrate a really neat site that uh, was first featured on Cool Blind Tech, and we thought we'd dig a little deeper because that's what we do here at Main Menu. And this particular site is called CaptionBot, and it is a Microsoft Artificial Intelligence product, and it will take pictures and attempt to identify them. Now, as far as we know, this is not the same technology that's being used by the Facebook team, but we can't assure you of that. So the way this works is you go to the following website, captionbot.ai, and that's C-A-P-T-I-O-N-B-O-T dot A-I. And here is what we get. And I am looking at this on a MacBook Pro, but this works equally well on Windows. It works on, you know, any computer you want to put it on. Now, I'm not sure if it will work on an iOS device. We'll have to try that, but let's have a look. Quick Navon. Interact with CaptionBot. Four pictures worth a thousand words. HTML content. Microsoft logo. Visited. Link. CaptionBot. I can understand the content of any image and I'll try to describe it as well as any human. I'm still learning so I'll hold on to your photo but no personal info. Okay, so if you had trouble understanding my synthesizer, I apologize. It is a little bit fast. We'll try to slow it down. Uh, and it is the Scottish voice, so sorry about that. But uh, basically, this site is telling us that it will hold on to your photo but no personal info will be exchanged. And that is so that it can learn. So what you're going to do... Upload a photo. Button. You're going to click on this button, and that is going to take you to a standard dialog for whatever computer you're using to upload a file. So let's go ahead. I'm just going to pick a file at random from my photos. Press upload a photo. Button. And I'm just going to pick a couple pictures here. I photo library, photo library, IMG underline 0279 JPG JPEG image. Date modified. The 27th of April, 2015, 12.46 p.m., column 2, row 9. Okay, I cannot remember uh, by any stretch of the imagination what was in that picture, so I'm just going to hit enter on that. And the reason I check the date is that I may not remember that name with the image file and all the numbers, but I may remember the date when I had this picture taken, and that way I can label it in however way I'm going to label that picture or keep track of it later. So let's go ahead and hit enter. There is no item with keyboard focus. On the Mac, what it does is it says there's no item with keyboard focus. I Alt-Tab away and then Alt-Tab back. Finder, document, Safari, Safari, caption bot, four pictures worth a thousand words. Window, quick nav off. Quick nav on. Visited. Link. Caption bot. I think it's a dog swimming in a pool of water. Aha, a dog swimming in a pool of water. And now I know exactly what this picture is. This is a picture of my retired dog partying down in Florida in his retirement home in their swimming pool. So there we go. Now I know what that picture is. Let's try another one. How did I do? Group. I have not found a good way to get into this group element and to be able to rate the pictures and let the artificial intelligence know how it did yet. So if you have figured this out on a Mac, wonderful for you. Um, I'm sure this is probably easier in Windows. So let me go down here. Try another button. Oh, let's do 
Heading level 3. Link. The magic behind Caption Bot. Caption Bot. I can understand the content of any image and I'll try to upload a photo. Button. Okay, and that takes you back to the page that you were at with the upload a photo button. You can just select that or hit enter on it. Press upload a photo. Button. Name. Image 001 JPG JPEG image. Column 1. Row 41. Okay, I have no idea what that one is. Date modified. The 12th of February, 2014, 9.42 a.m. Column 2. Row 41. Okay, this should be a good test. I don't even remember what I was doing on that day. <laughs> there is no item with keyboard focus. And we'll alt-tab. Finder. Doc. Safari. Caption bot. Visited. Link. Caption. I think it's a tree in the snow. Oh, a tree in the snow. And it probably is a tree in the snow because we got that year a bracken brown magnolia tree, which stays green all year. And I think we took a picture of it in the snow. Let's see if we can find a picture with people in it. Try another. Press try another. Button. Upload a photo. Button. Press upload a photo. Button. Veteran 083 JPG JPEG image. Okay. Date modified. The 14th of April, 2015, 1245 PM. Column 2, row 16. Now I'm not sure what that picture is of, but it does have an interesting caption, so let's see. There is no item with keyboard focus. Finder. Documents. Sa Safari. Caption bot. Four pictures worth a thousand words. Visited. Link. Caption bot. I think it's a couple of men standing next to a dog and they seem neutral face, grinning face with clenched teeth. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so as you can see, it describes their uh, expressions, etc. And this, I believe, is my husband and a friend of ours. And they're in their Coast Guard uniforms, which it doesn't say, but uh, with my husband's dog. And they are standing in front of some sort of a memorial that they went to. Try another button and let's try one more just for fun press try another button upload a photo button half a fallen hero 059 jpg jpeg image date modified the 12th of february 2014 9 42 a.m column 2 rule 40 and this one i happen to know what it is so let's see what caption bot makes of it visited link caption bot i am not really confident but i think it's a red kite in the snow well, CaptionBot, that's not quite what it is. It is a flag flying at half-mast in a very white, puffy cloud sky. So close, but what I like about this is that CaptionBot actually said, I am not really confident, but I think it's a red kite in the snow. So that kind of gives me an idea that it's having trouble recognizing what the picture is. This is such a cool service. You could spend hours, you know, just doing this for fun. But actually, it really helped me to organize some photos that I had uh, from a trip to the Grand Canyon, knowing which ones had people in them, knowing which ones had just scenery in them, etc. And uh, that was very interesting. So if you are looking for a way to organize all of those JPEG files that just have a list of letters and numbers behind them and you have no clue what they are and you like to actually match them with descriptions, this is a handy way to do it. It's CaptionBot by Microsoft, and it's at www.captionbot.ai. For Main Menu, this is Janine Stanley and her CaptionBot. Main Menu is sponsored by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio and airs on the Mainstream Channel every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can also grab it as a podcast or pick up a phone and dial 605-475-8130 at airtime. To send us feedback, email mainmenu at acbradio.org. 
you can find us on Twitter at Main Menu. We hope you enjoyed the show, everyone. See you next week.